0: This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the fifth episode of Star Trek Picard, Stardust City Rag. Welcome back fellow Trekkers, this is TV Podcast Industries and we are delving into Stardust City Rag, the fifth episode of Star Trek Picard. I am one of your intergalactic hosts, John. I'm
1: your other host, Derek, just the two of us this week again.
0: Yes, Chris, unfortunately got crossed with a fly and so is currently undergoing a very intense medical treatment to get him to humanoid form again.
1: Those damn transporters.
0: I know exactly. Yeah, unfortunately you can't be here because of work trips and mm, so on. Really? So uh we can't wait to have you back, Chris. Just remember to get yourself back to Earth as soon as possible. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. This is the fifth episode of Star Trek Picard. We're halfway through the season, John. We certainly are. Um it is flying by, dare mm. I say it, at warp nine. Ooh, is that allowed anymore?
1: Well, warp 11, you
0: know, turn it up to
1: 11. (laughs) You got to turn it up to maximum velocity, don't you? This episode felt like it was turned up to maximum velocity this time. Uh, A lot of kind of comments the last four episodes have been building the story, and this one was all out battle for a lot of us, really, wasn't it? With a lot of story in there, too. Yeah, a
0: lot of story, a lot of uh, different things going on. Uh, And Seven of Nine, absolutely spot on. Really, really enjoyed this episode. Action packed. And a lot of kind of deception and intrigue all coming through uh, as we get to meet Bruce Maddox Mm -hmm. as well. And he's not in a good state, but I think we save that for the podcast. Um, This will be a spoiler-filled review, Trekkies and Trekkers. Mm -hmm. uh, And, of course, uh, we will be going through our three top points of the episode our Prime Directive, our Omega Directive, and, of course, our number one point, which is our small point, um, Mm -hmm. of course. Remember, if you haven't already, it'd be great to have you subscribe to TV Podcast Industries. We're currently doing a rewatch of Penny Dreadful uh, in preparation for Penny Dreadful City of Angels. We uh, looked at the Witcher series there recently. And, of course, we have our back catalogue of Marvel, Netflix Defenders series, as well as Gotham, as well as Good Omens, The Boys, Watchmen. You name it, you can grab it here on TV Podcast Industries. Mm -hmm. So please head
1: on over and subscribe on any Federation or Romulan-supporting podcast player. Absolutely. Just a reminder about that retrospective for Penny Dreadful. We're releasing that at the moment over on Patreon, uh, releasing it early over there. So if you want to get access to the first couple of episodes of our reviews of Penny Dreadful Season 1, pop on over to patreon.com slash Industries. Don't know any amount, and you can get access to those episodes. We're hopefully going to be putting out three episodes a week in the run-up to... Uh, penny dreadful city of angels there's 27 episodes to review we want to make sure that we finish all three seasons of that show before we kick into the effectively fourth season of the show even though there's a bit of a a time jump in it brand new characters for the most part but we want to make sure that we get to the end of those three seasons before we get to city of angels so please come join us over there it'd be really good to uh, have you join us
0: yes especially if you are a harry treadaway fan Mm -hmm. of course he plays narik on star trek picard But he plays Victor Frankenstein uh, over on Penny Dreadful, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a glorious gothic horror, very rich, very complex. So we hope you're all enjoying it, those of you who are getting the early access at the moment
1: as well. Yeah, we're going to save those episodes to be released until after we've finished our Picard um, podcasts. We're going to save the Penny Dreadful uh, rewatch that we're doing. Until then, we'll put them in the main feed around that time. So that's a couple of weeks' time, about five weeks' time. Last thing before we get into the episode, make sure if you have any thoughts about any of the shows that we cover, including Picard, send your feedback and your emails to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also send the answers to the pub quiz, the 10 forward pub quiz questions, which we've been giving out at the end of each episode. You can also send them in there, and we'll have a prize for the person that answers the most Correct questions in that 10 forward pub quiz.
0: Yes, I think we need to reveal our prize uh, soon enough. I mm. think we're still working on it, but I think by the next episode, we should be able to give you full details of what you can win on the
1: pub quiz in 10 forward and i'm really sorry we said we were going to do it in this episode the reason why we haven't is there's one of one of the prizes that we want to get which is a behind the scenes book on star trek picard which doesn't get released until the 10th of march i think it is so Mm -hmm. we're trying to see if we can get access to that and make sure that we can get a copy of it basically uh, so we can give that away as part of the prize for this 10 forward pub quiz Exactly. So let's get into this. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Yeah, let's get into it. This episode was written by Kirsten Baer. She's one of the showrunners for the show. There's four showrunners, remember, for this season of Star Trek Picard. Um, she's also been referred to, as I mentioned, on our preview podcast at the London premiere. She was referred to by all the other uh, showrunners and executive producers as their Star Trek encyclopedia, the person they go to to kind of... Uh, any ideas off to make sure that they do make um, sense within the Star Trek canon, effectively. And as you probably know from this episode, a couple of quite major characters in there, so uh, so probably very useful that she's the writer in this episode.
0: Definitely, yeah. juice to uh, Kirsten Beyer mm-hmm. because yes, you need to have an encyclopedic memory to remember everything about Star Trek. It is so long running, so intricate in terms of what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, it's just the sheer
1: volume as well of of the stuff there to piece together absolutely and as this is the first show that's taken place after star trek voyager there's that's you know 20 years ago so uh, there's lots of stuff to remember and lots of things they that may have just been missed if you're tying it back uh, 20 years ago to those shows and um, the episode was directed by number one himself once again jonathan frakes directing this episode so you got these two episodes back to back episode four and episode five john do you want to tell us what they gave us with the official synopsis for this episode sure
0: the La Serena crew begin an unpredictable and lively expedition on Free Cloud to search for Bruce Maddox. When they learn Maddox has found himself in a precarious situation, Seven of Nine offers her assistance.
1: Yeah, it's certainly a lively expedition on Free Cloud, isn't it? Um, let's get into our main points for the episode. Let's kick off with our big moment.
0: We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive.
1: John, do you want to kick us off? Yeah it
0: is the rescue of Bruce Maddox that is my prime directive. I mean this is the whole point of coming to Free Cloud. He's been in hiding and we we open this episode where he's in this precarious situation and to be honest it's not what I was expecting at all. I kind of felt he was going to be uh sort of in in a place where he was dealing in code and, and, and all this, he's kind of gone sort of underground with his technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and whilst he may have been doing this, he's found himself effectively drugged by this um, kind of, I suppose, gang leader in a way, this, yeah. this club owner, Bejazel, who... Um, is going to trade him effectively with the Romulans, with the Tal Shiar. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it's not that simple because it's the Tal Shiar, so they need this facer. So they need to set up this trade to effectively hand him over. But I have to say, this, I just wasn't expecting him to be sort of beaten, broken, bloody, uh, and effectively, really, whilst the whole reason for this episode and for the whole reason why Jean-Luc is, is coming to Free Cloud. He actually becomes one of the lesser motivators for everyone around here, as we find out, whether it's Rafi, whether it's Seven of Nine, uh, other than for Picard. But um, this guy is bruised and broken. Uh, And I kind of really like that. It just wasn't something I was expecting. Mm. Uh, But certainly, uh, we learned that he was um you know carrying out his work yeah. still i think it was under bejazel's kind of patronage to some extent uh, or she at least knew about his work and what he was doing because she also had a a, a more destructive tech operation going on uh, as well because mm-hmm. she was effectively harvesting and stripping out parts from borg um which again this this uh, episode opens with mm-hmm. but w- we find that the facility that he has there is nothing left that this m- molecular disinfectant was used that effectively left nothing mm-hmm. and you know did the tal char do it was it the chad vash mm-hmm. was it something to do with that or was it because and what we learn later from bruce maddox as he's been um rescued by jean-luc picard and, and the the whole gang is that, you know, he had these theories circulating around the synth attack on, on Mars. So, effectively, he had a theory which seemingly people were very keen to have buried to shut him up, effectively. Well, yeah. And so, you do then begin to think um, and, and follow those threads from Rafi's conversation with Picard at a trailer immediately after uh, the attack on Mars, that there was a Romulan thread running through um, this attack on Mars, mm. and this this synth attack, this rogue synth. But also, this is where he confirms a Federation involvement uh, as well, or a Starfleet involvement uh, as well, that it wasn't just the Romulans. And of course, we've seen with Commander O, and we've seen with Narix. Uh, sister who is hiding uh, in Starfleet disguised as a human and he's just adding the intrigue and possibility of that uh, onto those those bones that we saw there in
1: in episode uh, one and two right right well let's back it up a little bit and just kind of talk about Bruce Maddox himself and and kind of why he's on the run I suppose so effectively himself and Dr. Girardi are the ones that that created the synths these uh, dumb terminals effectively that were carrying out the work on Mars they revolted um, and killed all the people on Mars, right? So uh, effectively, the reason why he's known across the galaxy is because everybody's blaming him. Everybody thinks that he did something. He's the one that made these synths revolt or broke something in their programming and they failed and Revolted effectively. Yeah, so, absolutely. So that's why he's been on the run. But while he's been on the run, he had his own lab, had his own hideout, and that's where he built, um, Soji and Daj, the two sentient synths, I suppose, the more data-like, uh, perfect, imperfect synths, as he says. and um, so this is a reason that he's been chased around the galaxy. It's part of the reason why his lab was destroyed is because potentially the reason, as you say, John, that the Federation may be involved, or it may be the, um, Shatvash, or it may be the Romulans at the very least, is because he knows something or they think he knows something and they want to shut him up, they want to keep him quiet in case he creates the connection between possibly the talshiar and what happened on Mars um, because he does have these theories like, as you say, like Rafi has. So yeah, so he's being sought across the galaxy by everybody because they think he's the one responsible for that massive attack on Mars as well. So Yeah, yeah.
0: he's kind of like the WikiLeaks uh, <laughs> guy, you know, mm. Julian Assange. He's kind of... He's being hunted yeah. and he's found his
1: refuge here. If he, he had murdered millions and millions, well, of millions. exactly. <laughs>
0: I mean, he does as well. Just after his rescue by Picard, he does confirm to Picard that Dodge has a sister, and that her name is Soji, and he gives them the location uh, of her. That she is on the Borg mm-hmm. um, ship that's been reclaimed uh, and so on by the Romulans. But he does. Uh, he sets them to find the truth um, of. Romulans and the Federation with respect to the attack on Mars Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is I suppose the the kickoff point so we're not going to have him joining this gang like I kind of thought we were uh, in that sense certainly given what happens just after he arrives uh, onto uh, La Serena, yes. um, for sure. But certainly uh, he gives them the next bit of breadcrumb
1: for them to to go after. Well, effectively, this was Picard's only lead, wasn't it? This was his only way of finding Dash's sister. He didn't even know her name. He has no idea of anything about it, other than that she looks the same, I suppose, as Dash. So this was his only lead, was to get Bruce Maddox. Um, so luckily, he got that information from him, uh, knowing now that he has to go to the Borg ship in Romulan space, effectively, as they call out. So um well, we, I go on to my point, because that's very close to my uh my side of it, John. I'm
0: glad you got the hint. Exactly. <laughs>
1: I did, yes, John. Well done. <laughs> uh Dr. Agnes Girati, um the signs kind of within the episode that pointed to what she was going to do at the end. Weirdly, throughout the previous couple of episodes, I think you and Chris have both mentioned that she was on your radar as someone that uh that could possibly uh, be a killer or could possibly be someone that had their own agenda let's say yes yeah so um what we find out at the beginning of the episode really very early on the first thing we see is that she has had this relationship with Bruce Maddox it was a loving relationship between the two yeah, absolutely. It wasn't just a partnership in work um which is something that we had thought in the past we'd heard that there was uh, that there was a connection between the two of them if you read the star trek novel the star trek card uh, last best hope um you get a lot more detail about their relationship a lot more about um how long they've been together and uh, and their love for each other. And as I said before, that actually took her off the table to me as being essentially bad. Um, that she would not be the kind of person that would do something against Picard and against his mission. And technically, she really hasn't. Um, what we learned throughout the episode here is that she has been sent on board the ship effectively to take out Maddox. Um, someone has shown her potentially the Tal Shiar, potentially Commodore O has shown her some piece of information that they have about the Destroyer, possibly, about Soji potentially leading to the end of things. So she's taking out Bruce Maddox for what he did to atone for their sins. We hear just before he dies that he credits her with being like Dr. Nguyen Sung, who created Data, and himself, who now created uh, Soji and Dash. He couldn't possibly have accomplished that without... Dr. Girati, and her response to him is effectively that, um, that's, I need to atone for those sins because she doesn't believe it ever should have gone there now after seeing whatever evidence has been presented to her. So a uh, good catch from you guys. Um, she was way too innocent looking back. Obviously, she had that thing about her where you're going to go, and, yeah, okay, you can't be that innocent uh, on this show. There has to be something going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I like the fact that, you know, it connects back to, um, the, the former Romulan Borg Ronda, back on the cube and her interaction with Soji mm-hmm. and, and the destroyer of worlds kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the dark portent, I think of, of her, that mm-hmm. she knows something. And obviously it seems that Agnes has also been told something that suggests this kind of, uh, approach to wiping out these um, very advanced uh, synthetics. Mm-hmm. I like that it drew in from, I think, what was it, episode two or three, uh, I, and Rhonda uh, sort of calling Soji out like that uh, as well. Yeah, I, I think her killing Maddox, it, you know, as you say, she says, it's another thing I have to atone for. Um and she goes. I wish I didn't know what I know. Mm-hmm. I wish they hadn't shown me. Um, which I think obviously seems to implicate Commander O here uh, as to what um that bit of information is. So it's very intriguing now because what is it? Is it is it just coming from a place of ideology because it's connected to this anti-tech kind of philosophy of Tal Shiar or even deeper elements within it the Mm. chad vash or is is it something else is it something much more political um and much more about who controls what systems or getting an advantage for in a military way Mm. you know it there's a lot of intrigue still here uh, and it that really uh is is nice i love the way that Alison pill played this mm-hmm. uh for sure um and i i think the the effect of maddox kind of his body shutting down and whatever um was happening to his face you know it was pretty um it was pretty hardcore uh, and coming from someone that you've kind of perceived as being fairly kind of innocent uh and almost clumsy you know it's almost that accident prone kind of like quality to Mm. agnes drassi in in a sense and certainly over the last few episodes where i think where we saw her in the daystrom institute she was much more confident Mm -hmm. and i think is that
1: nervousness um because of what she's found out yeah, like the murder of Bruce Maddox itself, it looked like she turned off his oxygen. All the blood vessels are popping in his face as he dies. It's a really gruesome kind of death for the character, really. Um, in terms of what this could mean and what the what, what could have been shown to her, it feels like everything that she's gone through as a character, and again, I'm not, not going to spoil the book or anything like that, but remember, the world has gone through this idea of a supernova that, that was destroying the romulan planet and all of the romulans and they did everything to save them including juradi being the one involved in creating these massive amounts of synths so that they could do all the work effectively and then we have the attack on mars which is another massive catastrophe Um, and they do everything to save that effectively they try and do everything they can to to save uh, what they can save and now she's been told something else that has led her to kill Bruce Maddox. She's been shown something about what's going to happen, or about what has been done. So it makes me think that this is a third catastrophe level event that is being predicted yeah based on the arrival of soji based on this destroyer effectively what could it possibly be could she be, she be the one that's going to reignite the borg for example uh, is it something like that you know what's the connection there is there something going on so uh, so it is really interesting but there have been loads of signs it's a really good point that you make john that that she was massively confident when we met her first or she seemed quite confident in her own space i suppose uh, and what we saw over the last couple of episodes even Last episode, we saw that meeting that Picard was having and she goes, oh, is this a secret meeting that I've stumbled in on or am I part of the crew? Well, that was just her trying to get as much information out of Picard about where they were going and when they were going to get to Bruce Maddox so that she could be involved. A couple of other great signs in this episode when everybody else chooses their costumes and is going down to the planet and she's told to stay behind and just beam them all up. You realize after watching the episode that actually her reaction is to do with her going, what you mean? I'm not going to. Be the one to meet Bruce Maddox because potentially she had a plan to take him out the minute she saw him. Yeah, you know. Over and over again, we see her getting more and more nervous as she gets goes on through the episode, and you think. Is she nervous about using a transporter? I mean, this is a person that works on Earth at the Daystrom Institute. She's American, so she must be traveling back and forth to the Daystrom Institute using transporters all the time. Why is she so nervous about, exactly. about using this? And then you realize that she is having a psychological break. That's why the emergency medical hologram keeps getting ignited on the ship, effectively, is because they're sensing there's something wrong in her brain chemistry. There's something wrong there. She is so het up and so stressed about what she has to do that she keeps that the medical hologram keeps appearing to try and give her a sedative to calm her down effectively right up to the point where she kills bruce maddox you still have the emergency medical hologram appearing going what can i do here what can i do to calm you down kind of thing yeah so, um so i love all those little signs as we go on um throughout the episode that Agnes Jurati is not who she says she is and I think it's quite well uh, foreshadowed and it's always good for the second rewatch the second time you watch the episode to go oh I should have gotten it from those moments really
0: yeah I really enjoyed this kind of exposing of Agnes Jurati mm-hmm. in terms of her emotional trauma that she's going through and the psychological break uh you know given her seeing her watch those intimate videos of her and Bruce Maddox you know being carefree and easy and now seeing her as this nervous wreck knowing that um you know she's been tasked with killing uh bruce maddox and effectively the information and his genius uh, around all things um sort of synthetic uh, and the
1: the advancement of that so yeah really uh nicely done yeah, it was really nicely done, wasn't it? This a really good part of the episode. I think that's the end of the, of our prime directive section. But I did just want to point out that it is a new actor playing the character of Bruce Maddox. It was really important for the show, I think, to have Bruce Maddox appear, Um the original actor that play, played him, Brian Brophy, isn't back for the episode. It's a, an actor called John Ailes uh, who's playing Bruce Maddox in here. He does a really good job of playing him. Uh, I think in the episode, it's quite an important role, I suppose, it's, and it's kind of he's been talked about since the first episode of the show, uh, and so bringing the character back was massively important. Um, I did see something today from the one of the showrunners, from um, Michael Chabon. Uh All he said was that it's complicated when asked whether the original actors were asked to reprise their roles from the show uh he was he was asked that question and he just said it's complicated and that's all he can say basically so um not gonna question why the actor couldn't come back he only appeared in, in star trek the next generation for one episode i'm sure it would have been lovely as an easter egg for him to appear back in the show as that role but um it was important for the storyline that we had the character in there at the very least yeah so definitely i'm glad they did that anyway well, let's get on to our second point
2: Implement
1: the Omega Directive immediately. John, initiate your Omega Directive. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> uh, my Omega Directive, my medium moment, is, is Raffi and her son, Gabriel. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked this this interaction. Um, I, I really like Raffi as a character. Uh, I love her intelligence. Um, I, I'm kind of rooting for her really um you know even against picard you know Mm. that i I want picard to show her loyalty that personal side it kind of crushed me a little knowing that picard hadn't been to visit her after Mm. she had been fired and you know we see her taking drugs on in her sort of mobile home, uh, and all of this thing. So we get to know why she came to Free Cloud, why she hitched that ride on the La to get to see her son Gabriel, who's at a medical centre, medical district on Free Cloud. Um, And again, this is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's so stoic here. But effectively, what we glean from this is that the theories that she was... Looking at uh, processing, putting through her own mind about the Romulans and the rogue synths and the attack on Mars, her getting fired had effectively consumed her, uh, consumed her to the point where, um, you know, she ignored her son and her own husband. Yeah. Uh, that probably pushed her to taking the the drugs from the snake plant. Um, you know, and her first meeting with her son is. I'm clean now, uh, clean from the drugs. Uh, and, but her son, uh, the guy who plays him, it, the facial expression of pure kind of, I don't want anything to do with you. It's not disgust so much. It's just betrayal and anger yeah. still etched on his face. It is just really, really good. I do, I do really enjoy the moment where he's saying about how all her obsession uh, around the romulans um, he he he's talking about it and she kind of corrects him about about it saying no it's the conclave of 8 and in that we get this really nice nugget of the conclave of 8 mm. what is the conclave of 8 and and i just think this is a really nice character moment for uh, raffy yeah, you know she is Absolutely intelligent. She's sharp as a, a pinhead, and um, she knows her stuff about Romulan culture and so on. But it has consumed her life to the point where it's destroyed her life. Mm-hmm. And you appreciate her terse welcome uh, to Picard because he could have been that emotional crutch. He could have been that support for yeah. her. Um, and he was never there with her to yeah. do that. And this is just a really kind of nice moment in, in this character. Yeah, uh, and I really, really liked it. I also like the fact that she is stowed away again because ultimately her son Gabriel uh, doesn't want anything to do yeah. with her. Um, he, he's got a new wife with a baby on the way, but he... I think still has a lot of
1: pain uh, associated with her. Well, absolutely. You you get the feeling from their conversation that is not the first time that she's come back to him and said, I'm clean. Um, she is an addict. I think that's what comes across very um, specifically in this episode. Um, so she may have tried to get clean multiple times before. You also know from the conversation, this is not the first time they've had the conversation about her theories about what happened on Mars. This is something that happened 14 years previously, remember. So everybody is kind of going, the synths did it. Just get over it. Isn't it much better to believe the synths did it than all of those people that Picard and you went out to rescue from... Romulan from the Romulan Empire all of those people what do you think they turned on us and they tried to kill all of our people up on Mars and set the Federation back 20 years by destroying all our ships and our shipbuilding capabilities you know that's that's what's going through Gabe and that's what's going through in this conversation I really like that especially just that moment as well where she meets her daughter-in-law for the first time Pell and gets no introduction to her at all um, yeah, she's a Romulan, as you can see. So another reason why Gabe probably doesn't want to possibly believe that her his mother's theory is correct because of the Romulans are involved and his wife's a Romulan, oh, hang on a second, that's a big question over what's going on, you know? Um, He hasn't believed her before, and she's once again trying to make amends with him, but he's having none of it. So it's a very sad kind of storyline, but it gives you so much more detail behind what's been going on for Rafi. She's been left alone by Picard and by everybody else because of their theories, and she's turned to drugs to kind of take the edge off effectively over the last 14 years. So massive um, effect on her relationships.
0: But I do like the fact that she has stowed back onto mm-hmm. La Serena. I think, she is she trying to hide? It seems like she is trying to stow away and not be spotted. I just really like that moment with Rios where he says, we need to talk about the stowaway. Mm-hmm. And they go up to the door. For me, I thought that was kind of like the broom cupboard. Right. It could be a cabin or her yeah. quarters but you just hear uh, Raffi say "Go away," uh, you know. So uh, an awful lot of humble pie is mm-hmm. being eaten. She wasn't expecting to be back on board the ship La Serena uh, at this moment. She thought it was going to be a happy ever after with her son Gabriel, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. Yeah, um, so it it's kind of tinged with sadness and regret. But I'm
1: kind of pleased she's back in this crew and we knew she would be she is a major character of the show as well but they did have that lovely moment between Picard and Raffi when she was going off uh, to see her son for the first time where she says there were moments there where this felt like old times weren't there so um, she's it's not. Maybe she's not forgiving Picard, but she can probably forget a little bit while she's in his company and while she's doing work with him, um, and just remember how good it was when the two of them working together. So that moment at the end, which tells Picard to go away, and he just touches the door, kind of going, "I'm glad you're here." Um, I think that's a nice little moment at the end. Of the
0: Absolutely, episode. it's almost the same relationship, possibly as with her son. Mm-hmm. You know, she she doesn't quite want to forgive him yet, but she
1: recognizes. And um, that they work well together. Yeah. Might be know? a little further down the line. Than, exactly. Than the home of their son. Um, I'm going to talk about my uh, second major point, my my medium moment for the episode it's probably a, a very big moment because it happens right at the beginning of the episode. Um, I've said before, I'm a big fan of all of the Star Trek series. And I remember watching all the episodes of Voyager. Uh, there's a character that was in, that was in Voyager. For those of you who don't uh, watch Star Trek character called Isheb, uh in Voyager, and he makes his appearance in this episode. Sadly, it's his death that happens uh, in this episode. Um, he was a protege of Seven uh, back on the on Voyager. So we saw him for about 11 or 12 episodes uh, of the show in the sixth and seventh season. So towards the end of the show, he's this young kid that has, has been released from the Borg effectively. And she is trying to help him regain uh, some of his previous life. Um, so she is standing beside him at all times and helping him out. So when Seven says the line that he's the closest thing to kin that she's ever had. She, she's being completely accurate there There's someone that has gone through the same kind of experience as her and seems to have worked alongside her for years. We have those moments where she talks to Bejazel about uh, about their relationship, saying that the two of them worked together. He went on an exploratory mission and then Bajazel captured him. There was a, a trap set to capture him. Um, and it turns out, as we as we find throughout the story, when Seven confronts Bajazel, we find out the two of them knew each other. And Bajazel found out about Isheb because Seven mentioned anything, everything to her. So it seems like Seven and Bajazel had some kind of relationship before because Seven says that effectively Bajazel only knew about Isheb and his existence and that he was former Borg because of what um, she told her. So that she revealed all this personal information about herself and about Isheb. Um it is a massively brutal scene at yeah, the opening definitely. of the episode. It kind of reminded me of uh, I think the start of uh, First Contact, Star Trek First Contact, where you had that moment where it was going into the eye of, uh, of Locutus of Borg, of, uh, of Picard and piercing his eye, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, having his eyeball removed at the beginning of the episode just felt really brutal.
0: Absolutely. Uh, eyes and sharp implements mm. are never a good combination. Even um, robot eyes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but this is, yeah, I mean, this is pretty horrific at the start for sure. I, there is some close personal relationship between uh bejazel and um seven of nine Mm -hmm. i i think with seven of nine what i really enjoyed here was finding that she's a ranger you know she's working in this system protecting it yeah Uh, i really like um there's a reality from from being a ranger probably from being a rescued borg knowing her sort of position possibly in in the federation how she's viewed uh you know i i find that really interesting there's, there's kind of a a grounded reality mm. uh this maybe world weariness isn't the right word but at least she knows how the world operates and yeah. i liked how that contrasts with picard with his kind of grand principles uh and and the the difference there and i I mean, that all comes to a head where Seven of Nine effectively takes the, uh, the device that allows them to, to, um, beam down, uh, transport down to Bejazel's club. Mm-hmm. So they, they think that she's going somewhere completely, uh, different on Free Cloud on the planet. Uh, and instead she goes down to take out, uh, Bejazel for, uh, the, the murder of Ishab. And I, she certainly rocks a pair of, uh, double phases, phases for mm-hmm. sure. But I like the fact that she doesn't tell Picard because she didn't want to disillusion him. Yeah. Uh, because the world doesn't always work how Picard feels it should from his principled way. Sometimes there is a more grimy, gritty side and justice is best taken as vengeance uh, here certainly given that she's a ranger you kind of do feel they're out in you know the wild west
1: part of uh the the galaxy yeah and i think you know remember where they are as well they were very close to a planet that was just left to its own devices by the federation when they pull back right So that's the area that Seven's protecting, effectively. And you hear it from Picard in his moralistic way, saying to her, what you're doing is against the law. And she's going, but what law? This place has been left to the outlaws. I need to protect these people. There's no one else to protect them. And I love the contrast because we have Rafi talking to Seven going, I totally respect what you do and what you're doing is the right thing. And if you remember, the whole, that's the whole break in the relationship between Rafi and Picard is... He handed in his resignation and retired from the federation and didn't go back out into the universe to save whoever he could have saved. Whereas Rafi would have done that. So when she yeah. sees someone like Seven doing what she needs to do, regardless of the rules and the laws and bending them and breaking them, she totally respects what Seven's choice is here. So uh, I really like that, that, that kind of interaction between all of them because it tells you so much about all of the stories here. Definitely. I also do like,
0: um, just before she beams off, I do like her and Picard's conversation about being human and the legacy of having been a Borg mm-hmm. and that you are oh, yeah. still trying to work at being human, as Picard says, day by day, you know. Um, so I, I, that was a nice little connection between Seven of Nine and Picard, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like their interaction as well. Uh In the holographic Chateau Picard, as well, where you think she's going to walk out because she's she's kind of done a thing uh she knows who this guy is, he knows who she is that that they've brought one another up to speed on what's happened, but then they again start talking about having been former borgs yeah um, and she takes another bourbon, uh, in, in a tumbler, mm-hmm. uh, straight up as well. So, yeah, she's, uh, she's a good drinker. It's always the
1: indication that you're in a Western. Yeah, you? exactly. So it,
0: it. it's, I like the fact that there as well, then that conversation is left. It's almost as though it's a private conversation being had between mm-hmm. Picard and Seven of Nine. You know, you've got Rios and Rafi still on the bridge, Gerati in her quarters. Um, so. That I thought was a nice little touch
1: between these two characters mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So the big question, and I know it will disappoint some, uh, some viewers of the show, the big question that this leaves us with, John, is will we see Seven again? She does kind of tell Picard, you can contact me again. She gives him the com badge effectively, so that he can contact her in future. But the last we see of her is walking through, getting narrowly missed by quite a lot of uh, a lot of phaser shots uh, as she takes down many of the other people in the room. We presume because the camera is looking at her, I suppose, throughout the scene. So, has she been captured? Has she taken them all out, and she's off on the run again, uh, or has something happened to her? I definitely think seven of
0: nine has an escape plan. Mm -hmm. She is a clever cookie. um, And so I don't think she's been killed and I don't think she's been captured. I really hope not.
1: And will we see her again this season is my other big question. I hope so. Hope so. I really do hope so. Our final small point to time. Make it so, number one. What's a small moment you want to talk about from the episode, John? It's simply Elmer the Innocent. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I really like the innocence here of this character sort of being taken off his planet where he was effectively in a nunnery even though it was a kick-ass nunnery mm-hmm. um, but nonetheless um i love the fact that you know he's doesn't understand subterfuge and you just see in his face he doesn't quite understand what's happening with them all getting dressed up and then when he finally gets his own costume, he all gets a little bit excitable. Mm -hmm. It's like dressing up uh, for the first time or something, kind of like getting into cosplay, for example. Um, And he kind of goes completely over the top, and you you just get the sly comments of, just be yourself, Elnor. Uh, Be the quiet version of yourself, Mm -hmm. Elnor. Um, And I I really kind of like this, because I presume you know this is kind of the start of his journey of uh experiencing the rest of at least his system and the galaxy exactly. where it isn't a nunnery yeah. Um he also doesn't get an advert as well as the approach f- free cloud mm-hmm. uh, where you kind of get that fairly uh, invasive um facebook Spam. type thing yes exactly yeah. for different adverts yeah but there are no adverts
1: for for elmer yeah. he doesn't get one i'm going to talk about that in just one second as well but i do like that moment with elmer when he realizes what's going on and goes oh we're all pretending to be somebody else as if nobody yeah, else exactly. would realise what it is like it's, I think it's just really interesting uh, the one character he reminds me of I don't know whether you get this at all John uh, you know Drax from uh, Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy the person that can only speak the truth all the time uh, in the first mo- movie definitely in the second one he's a bit different but in the first movie where he just says things that yes. are on the top of his head and doesn't understand a lot of things that are going on why would somebody use subterfuge at all why wouldn't they just go in and tell people what they want and get what they want
0: it's the you know? absolute candor that he's grown up with um, and he is not understanding this more um sort of duplicitous kind of way of operating in order to get down i have to say i love uh jean-luc picard's horrendous french accent uh (laughs) that patrick stewart puts on which is kind of
1: just that kind of weird nod to the fact that he is supposed to be French. Well, it's actually, I think it's a weird nod to the fact that originally he did test out a French accent because he knew the character was French and the the producer just went, no, no, just use your own accent because that's terrible Uh, back in 1986 when the the show originally was beginning. Uh, But speaking of absolute candor, just do want to mention it. I think it's really important because that uh, when Seven's plan is revealed effectively, she says, I wasn't entirely candid with you to Picard while Elnor is the only other character beside her. So I just think they use that on purpose, that line. Definitely. Uh, just to tie in with to them. Oh, and the other funny thing about Picard with this French accent, I love that he has the uh, the eye patch over his left eye, but he closes his right eye while he's putting <laughs> yeah, on the French exactly. accent. <laughs> he's like, this is how bad it could be. So let's just uh, go for it. Kind
0: of. Well, thing. <laughs> and we all know ourselves, if we are not good at accents and we try and put an accent on, mm-hmm. then how absolutely awful it can be yes even you know recent oscar winner brad pitt when he tried to do the irish accent was awful oh Garrett was terrible Begara. it was pretty damn <laughs> awful was like de- sure. devil's own yeah it? it was pretty bad uh but yeah i i, I liked that we, we you know we're kind of easing into Elmore kind of slowly yeah. here and He's uh, been in two episodes, you haven't. know i can't wait to see him kick some ass i did think he was going to uh whip out his sword
1: and um, start slicing and dicing in the the bar. Was it a bit weird that he didn't, or was he just respecting Picard, telling him, don't kill anything until I tell you to kill something kind of thing?
0: I think so. I think yeah. it was more to do with that. And also because the plan
1: was once we get him, we get out. Exactly. Um, as I said, I'm going to talk about the adverts from my small point, because I do think they're just really interesting, what everybody gets in their adverts. are so like, you know, pretty obvious one uh, for Captain Rios. It's about the ship getting repairs. That's what the uh, annoying little red thing. Uh, yeah, the re- mechanic. Re- yeah, it mechanic. reminds me of the paper clip that we used to get back in the, back in Windows that used to yes. say, are you writing a letter? Because I can help <laughs> you out. Um, and that one we have uh, Rafi getting advertised drugs. Uh, come down here and take snake snake oil. You know, yeah. Exactly. Or snake juice. Um, So that's obviously targeted to the personality. And we have um, Picard being asked down for high tea (laughs) because, again, (laughs) tying into his personality. But interestingly, we have Agnes getting an ad for robotics, the entertainment of robotics. And part of that is obviously she is she would be known as someone that would would be interested in robotics. And that's in her personality. But I like the touch that they have the way to get rid of it is she has to punch the thing in the face and when she eventually does it, she says, oh, I've never punched anything in my life and later on in the episode she murders someone. Yeah, exactly. So it's just an interesting kind of journey for the character that she begins the episode saying, oh, I've never punched anything. I've never thrown a punch in my life and then celebrates the fact that she's been able to get rid of this digital spam from from in front of her and then by the end of the episode she's murdered somebody. So quite significant uh, little arc with from the adverts all the way through to the end of the episode.
0: And of course, Elnor gets nothing and so it's kind of is it just that he he's not on their database effectively because he's been in the nunnery or mm. there's no desires there or he's neutral that. you yeah. know i think it's um, that. i don't think
1: anybody goes into the database or and as such as they arrive i think it kind of reads who everybody is and displays um what they most want or what they would be most interested in and Elnor kind of what he most wanted was to go on an adventure and he's on an adventure so what else could be more attractive to him? What else could he desire? I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I think there's some Easter eggs in the episode. So on to that section. Isn't there something else you have to do? So there's something else. The nods and notes. I think for the episode, uh, one that I noticed, which I just thought was really interesting, uh, when Rias is having that conversation with Rafi, um, he's trying to guess Seven's name. Uh, he's kind of identifying that this is a Borg that he that he should recognize the name of, and first he calls her ninety nine which is a character that was in the um it was a sitcom, a spy sitcom from the 60s called Get Smart. Uh, the character was called 99, a female character as well. And then he calls her Eleven, which is a very famous female character from Stranger Things which is a very famous female character from Stranger Things, and then eventually settles on, oh, it's Seven, uh, Seven of Nine, the Borg. So I just think that was definitely on purpose, the fact that he's referencing two of the characters who had numbers for names in TV shows in the past, and he eventually gets down to Seven of Nine. Absolutely.
0: And and also that by remembering that she's Borg, it also trips his memory about Picard Um, up till that point he hadn't
1: remembered that well it's only when he's told by Raffi when she says both of them were bored she was bored like Picard and he goes oh I completely forgot about that yeah exactly <laughs> which is kind of interesting yeah John did you spot anything in the episode
0: Yeah, there's a nice deep space nine um little easter egg here Vop, who is the um the heavy for bejazel Talks about Mr. Quark, the Ferengi, who is especially satisfied with uh, Rios's work, as he is kind of masquerading here uh, as this facer for this deal to get bruce maddox back and quark was the bartender and a major character on deep space nine Mm -hmm. so uh that was
1: a nice little uh touch to a nod to deep space nine so i i have to ask and i presume that means that quark is out there somewhere that they actually got an actual reference from quark for um for the work for rios because uh this guy seems to know him um is the bar connected to quark's empire of bars could be yeah uh, does he own this place in freeclad because that would be absolutely something that a franginar would do they would set up this place to take all of the money and all the latinum from everybody in the universe come here uh we'll in complete discretion we'll take all of your money from you for all the entertainment that you like that, that you need i just love the reference to having uh quark out there in the universe because uh he was always a very fun character yeah he was yeah, yeah definitely really
0: yeah i think that's all our notes uh, and little easter eggs from this episode I- mm-hmm. I'm sure there are more, Loads of. so please send in any spots that you have uh, around Easter eggs or background uh, in feedback. That would be great. But finally, we come to our overall thoughts of episode five Mm -hmm. of Picard. Derek, what
1: did you think are overall for this episode? This went along at some pace with so much stuff going on in the episode, um, and I just was shocked by the opening uh, with the death of Icheb because I kind of recognised the character to begin with. I knew it was somebody that we should know and having seven have to pull a gun and kill him was a significant moment. Seven was always kind of a standoffish character in Voyager. She was always trying to get back to her humanity. And at this moment where you see her having to kill someone that she knew really well and crying over him effectively it it shows you that this is a new seven this is a new character and a different version of seven of nine so I thought that was a wonderful opening getting Bruce Maddox in the show was I think great I think we really needed to see him we yeah. couldn't have had them arrive there and he'd be dead because it just wouldn't have worked as a storyline I think
0: absolutely but it's weird you say that because I did think that uh, Bajazel had killed him mm-hmm. I thought she had given him a, some poison right um I'd right. I, I, because she does have that conversation with Vort Vaupi- where she goes, Kill him. Oh no, wait a second. Right. Um so I did actually think she had killed him after yeah. they'd had the conversation and he took a swig of one of her
1: drinks. Oh and the he drink. Yeah, exactly. But I'm glad he didn't die there, and I think it makes sense that she would want to trade him to the Talciar to the Romulans, you know, uh, because it makes her a lot of money. That's the whole kind of thing about it, you know, but I, I like the intrigue that we get in here about what's going on in the future, what could happen in the show. And I like the Picard's now sent off to the board cubes. So hopefully since we didn't get Harry Treadway or Issa Brionis in this episode, hopefully we'll get a lot more of them in the next episode um, where these two groups potentially could meet in episode six. I'll be looking forward to seeing them together. Uh, overall though, the death of the character Bruce Maddox, quite a significant death and at the hands of Dr. Jurati shouldn't have been a huge surprise as such because it was kind of guessed by you guys earlier on in the season but I was still surprised I was kind of expecting her to stay a little bit uh, cleaner of the blood but in my mind the way I'm seeing it is she's not bad she's just been shown something in the future that made her turn on the person that she loved and kill him because of what he's done and because of what he's created so we'll see how that plays out in the future but overall really enjoyed this episode John what about yourself I really enjoyed this
0: episode. For me, it's the one of the best of the series so far. I give this four and a half orange feathered hats out of five. That hat was magnificent. It was stupendous. Um <laughs> I loved the action in this. I loved um the you know, the whole subterfuge of them coming down to do this trade uh, and to to rescue Maddox. I like the fact that um I was surprised by Maddox being in the state that he was and mm. wasn't as such going to be a major part. And certainly by the, the end where he's killed off by Dr. Drati, his protege, um, someone who he's loved, cared for, um, and, uh, thinks is his savior here. Again, the intrigue around Soji and Daj as these destroyers, the, mm. the end of, of days, um, is is fascinating i can't wait to see uh, what happens when they get to the borg ship yeah. i loved 7 of 9 um her vengeance for the death of echeb uh, at the hands of bajazel um i thought was just really nicely played her interaction with picard as well about being a former borg having to work every day uh to to kind of reclaim the humanity uh, and it even just going to previous episodes with soji talking about that that borg culture the news as they described it Mm -hmm. as well that this lingering thing even though they have been taken out of the collective and have been rehabilitated to some extent and as well just with Rafi, uh really just a great character moment for for her here uh really nicely done so a lot of intrigue, a lot of feuding. Mm-hmm. I love the family stuff with with Gabriel and Raffi. So this, I thought, was a really strong
1: episode, mm-hmm. and I loved it even more when I went back and rewatched it. Yeah, yeah, it was really good second time as well, wasn't it? Um, if I've read your ratings right, if I remember them right, from all the episodes, this is the highest rated one you've given for this episode of, of Picard, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I love the
0: mix of action, adventure, mm. as well as the deeper cuts around. Um, Raffi with Seven of Nine Um, and even with Dr. Jurati. I I thought it was just really nicely done and it it sets them on the path to the Borg ship
1: with a lot of intrigue behind it. So, yeah. And it feels like a very Star Trek thing to kill off Bruce Maddox who could possibly have had the silver bullet to take out soji you know the switch that turns her off he could have had that in his mind and now they've killed him so it seems like a very star trek thing to do to take him out now because he could have been the one to end it all effectively let's get on to your thoughts on some of the episodes let's get on to our feedback section yes we've got some facebook feedback uh
0: for episode four remember fellow trekkers you can head over to our facebook group just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tv podcast industries and you can uh, join us there. Uh, Donald Dennis says on episode four, the episode was pretty good, but it felt a bit like they were checking off boxes. Mm. Also, how many emergency holograms does this guy have? Prediction. The captain is an emergency command hologram. Also, how do they rationalize allowing hologram AI versus outlawing AI synths like Data. Mm. And have these jokers just completely forgotten about the dangers of control? Um, thank you so much, uh, Donald, for that. Yeah, I um, I like your prediction around the Captain. It, mm. And it would certainly go a long way to explaining his literature that he's reading about the existentialness of life and knowing that you're going to die if he is someone who has kind of resurrected himself through the hologram mm. in some way. Uh, and certainly, yeah, it, it does um, play into something different as well about the hologram AI versus a physical synth AI. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure there is some kind of AI differentiation there uh, for sure in the it seems like the holograms really are following protocols. I think... Even seeing this on episode five where the hologram can be easily dismissed by Dr. Jurati,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um for something that you would think that they could override. So it seems like they are still commanded by protocol and process and that is the kind of thing that's hardwired into them rather than a um, different kind of matrix that allows them to evolve.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I'm, I would be intrigued if he was a hologram, but I'm not too sure whether he is, especially in this episode, because we have him going down to the planet and because we have him uh, changing into this costume and all that kind of stuff. I think you'd probably hit against programming a bit if you were doing what they're doing in this episode. Uh, but I do like the idea of him being a hologram that's potentially kept himself alive after maybe he died in that incident that they talked about in the first episode. Um, there is a lot of intriguing stuff that we haven't learned about at all yet. Remember, there's also that question over why is there only Klingon opera aboard this, this ship? No other form of entertainment. Did he steal the ship from somebody else? You know, so there's lots of questions over, over who he is and what he is, but I do like the idea of him being the rimmer from red dwarf of this show effectively the character who's a hard light hologram keeping himself alive after he's actually died i think that's quite an interesting idea
0: yeah and it's also that you know he is solid at the moment um, most mm-hmm. of the other holograms you can walk through but i was thinking that in voyager the hologram there all there were episodes where
1: he becomes solid state effectively yeah. yeah he was the prototype i suppose yeah. of the emergency medical hologram that all the rest of these are based on um, so it is possible it's absolutely possible yep yeah, definitely uh something that can be done i like your reference to control as well donald that was something that we saw in star trek discovery i'm not going to spoil that but yeah they definitely need to uh, check on the dangers of control <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> We also got some feedback in from Amy Fitzgerald Dura. She says, The hubby and I binged the first four episodes of the show this weekend. He was all sorts of meh. And then watching episode four, he yelled, Seven of nine. I'll admit, I've never been a huge Trekkie, but watching him geek out over the hot former Borg lady is awesome. (laughs) Excellent Bringing families together.
0: Excellent. Yeah, and she gets a good stint as well in episode five. So there is plenty for your
1: hubby to uh get his teeth into enjoy exactly exactly uh, jim carrey also says a hole spoiled the appearance and made me watch for seven through the whole show by putting jerry ryan in the credits i'm sure super geeks know who will be featured in what episodes i'm a story person and i try very hard to keep from spoilers But I do allow for previews. Anyway, I never know if someone advertised is going to come up with this season will appear as a hologram or a flashback, a dream or hell, a mirror universe. I was thinking she'd show up on the board cube and was bracing for that. Since she didn't show up by the 40th minute, I knew exactly what was going on in that last battle. But I shouldn't have. I know this pain, Jim. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I do remember checking it out a couple of years ago. I remember we were covering, um, I think it was Gotham where they had quite a big guest star. And I wondered why their name was in the credits at the opening of the episode when they appeared in the last minute of the show, because it was supposed to be a big surprise that this character was coming back. And I remember checking into it at the time. And the reason is actually to do with how they're paid for their appearances on a show. Sadly, these, these contracts that are written for people are written based on their credit on the show. It's something that their agents negotiate. So, jerry ryan being in the episode she has to get her credit up front that's what gives her the amount of money that she earns for being in an episode i know it's annoying to all of us that want to remain unspoiled when we see an episode for the first time but unfortunately it's just it's just a way the way that tv's made these days that they may have had to pay her extra money to hide her credit until after the episode aired, you know they've they've done some creative things in the past uh, to hide that kind of thing but i think because she was going around the world touring with the show we did expect that she'd be in the show pretty early but i know that little last battle moment where she appears for the last 40 seconds of the episode to make you watch her big appearance in this episode hopefully though you've enjoyed episode five where she had a much bigger appearance uh, because i think it's been a really good seeing seven back on the show
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Amy and Donald for your Facebook feedback. Really Mm -hmm. good. We also have email on episode four from Cassie Mack. Uh, You can send in emails to feedback at Mm tvpodcastindustries.com. Cassie says, Easter egg alert. Santiago Cabrera played Aramis on BBC's The Musketeers. Check it out if you haven't already. It's quite brilliant. Peter Capaldi
1: as Cardinal Richelieu. Ooh. remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And the Easter egg person that was because of Alexander Dumas' uh, The Three Musketeers, the book that was in um, last episode.
0: Yes, exactly. And it also is maybe suggestive of the hat with feathers uh, <laughs> in
1: this episode as well. Well, this came in before Cassie no, had
0: seen this yes, episode. Yes, exactly. But, yeah, but like it, it, it could like be. It. <laughs> uh, another little bit of Musketeer Easter egging through Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Cassie says, well, Some random musings. Do you guys have any idea what accent Mr. Hospitality is supposed to have? I can't even begin to pin it down. But from Santi's exaggerated pronunciation of Zeban as Chibon, I get the sense it's a character we're supposed to recognise. I hate being left out of an inside joke. Keep up the good podcasting. I nearly lost you guys when your name changed. So glad I've got you back in my feed." We're glad to have you back, Cassie. Uh, Really good to get Mm -hmm. some feedback in from you. And yes, uh, I think uh, we probably need to keep the word out there that TV podcast industries is um, a evolution of defenders tv podcast as well as gotham tv podcasts yeah. and certainly when we do marvel and when we do uh dc we will certainly be utilizing uh, those handles uh, within
1: the tv podcast area exactly. for sure exactly yeah yeah we'll definitely be using those in the future because there's lots more dc and marvel stuff later on this year but great to have you back cassie and um, i did respond to cassie saying i thought that the character mr hospitality uh the the emergency hospitality hologram it might have been Canadian. Uh, I think I've heard that mentioned out there because it's a very slight accent. It's very generic American, generic uh, Canadian uh, kind of accent. And the reason we were saying Canadian was because um, Canadians are known for their hospitality. So it would kind of be a nice little joke in there. Yeah. Um, The reference to the fact that he calls... Uh, Shabon Shiban in the episode. I think that's partly because the episode's written by Michael Shaban and he wanted to put, put a fine note on the fact that the character's named after him. <laughs> Maybe that's the little inside. joke. It could be, there. yeah, yeah. Could be that. But it is interesting, he's the only character really that doesn't doesn't have a really standout personality and a really standout accent. But it is still different from Santiago Cabrera's uh, natural accent. The character he plays as Rios, um, it's still very different from that uh, that voice. So I must say, he's doing such a great job of doing all of these various characters on the show as well, isn't it? But Cassie responded saying, he didn't sound like any of my Canadian podcasters. Um, but that's all, all I have to go on. Um, what do you think about the gunner that gets an actual name when none of the other holograms have one? Even on After Track, Santiago always called him Emmet. Yeah, even though there's loads of other holograms of the ship, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, that Rios is calling one of them by a name. The the only thing that would make me think he might be doing that is maybe he was saved by that particular hologram in the past. He says he absolutely hates the hospitality hologram, for example, because he probably does nothing for him at all. Um, he doesn't like the medical hologram because he keeps trying to treat him for wounds that are making him look cool. Um, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so maybe this character of Emmet, is someone that saved his life in the past by the things he's done so
0: and maybe the loneliness of space if he's shipping stuff he's he's doing runs on his own mm-hmm. it, he's got that one personable uh, hologram that he calls upon to keep him company yeah, or maybe. to
1: have around maybe it's that one hologram yeah but he ha- he has populated the entire ship full of holograms that look like himself which is never a good sign really Is it? no it's a little crazy and also kind of interesting that emma this character has tattoos all over him as well i think that's quite interesting why would you program um the hologram to look like you and given tattoos and stuff so so it, it does maybe speak back to the idea that he is also hologram because everyone looks different and everyone has a slightly different uh, personality quirk as well so and um, we don't know right now but i'd say we're going to know by the end of the season what the answer to all of those questions about the holograms are great to hear from you again cassie thank you so much
0: we have some more facebook feedback on this episode episode five uh bob phillips says all about family, feuds, and finality this episode, wasn't it? Mm. I quite enjoyed the lack of reconciliation with Rafi and very much the mercy-free approach of Seven of Nine and Doctor, Jury, Judge, and Executioner. Where we keep going, apart from the Borg Cube, is still a mystery to me, which is excellent. Mm. Yes, I, I'm loving the mystery uh, myself. Um, I think there's a real big mysteriousness around soji and obviously we have this conclave of eight as well that's been brought up which is kind of all all very mysterious and there's a lot of mystery here still uh <laughs> around what actually is going
1: on and why um and yeah i'm i'm liking it a lot too yeah i was kind of expecting the attack on mars to become a central point of this their investigation into what calls that to become a central point of the series by this stage you know we're half half the season in and at the moment really the mission for picard is to go and save soji the sister of the girl that died in episode one so it's just been cracking on like that so i am intrigued what the rest of the story and how it's going to be brought in to the show i'm I'm intrigued in how it's going to go but uh but really enjoying it so far thanks so much bob yeah thanks bob and finally for this episode we have a voicemail from steve brenn thanks so much steve for this
2: Hey guys, it's Steve, and this is for Star Trek Cards, Stardust City Rag, and Raj, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I just watched it once, um, and as as always, I'm sending you my first first take on it, uh, because it, it really was, I liked it a lot, um, Got to see Seven of Nine. I'm a huge Jerry Ryan fan. Have been since Voyager. Everything she's been in, so I just just uh, absolutely love her. And uh, I thought she was great in this episode. I thought Picard. I thought uh, Patrick Stewart was great in this in this episode. We see him as we haven't seen him before. We we see him. Uh, going undercover. Uh, I, I loved, uh, <laughs> Rios, uh, and his persona that he kind of took on there, uh, in this little, little operation. Uh, I loved, uh, gerardi uh, just, she continues to amaze me. And the ending, of course, uh, finding out that she knows something, obviously Admiral O, uh, Admiral O must've showed her or is it Commodore O? What was she? Anyway, um, Must have showed her something to convince her that the scents are uh, in the wrong, I'm assuming. So that's why she did what she did to Maddox. But uh, I absolutely love this episode. I I love. uh, I hope we get to see more of Seven of Nine going forward. And I can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Okay, Uh, this was a quick one, but uh, I I really did love the episode. Uh, Talk to you later excellent stuff
1: steve glad you enjoyed the episode i'm really hoping we're going to get some more of seven of nine in the future as i mentioned earlier on uh commodore o isn't it Um, yes it's commodore o definitely yeah
0: um yeah rag is an interesting one as well i'm Mm. not too sure what that's referring to um i think in project management it's red amber green it's a newspaper Mm -hmm. you know the old daily rag, or is it rags? Is it kind of ragtag in, in that, um, you know, this, this whole place is kind of filled with misfits um criminals um,
1: and, and so on? Yeah, or even Picard's group themselves are a ragtag bunch, aren't they? So they're kind of thrown together as a team. So maybe it's that. Or the only other explanation I could think of possibly is a rag, as in something that's been used and thrown away. Yeah. Uh, like... Bruce Maddox. Exactly. So he was used to create all of the synths, and he's now sitting here on Stardust City, um, used and spent, effectively, and then he's taken back and killed. So maybe it's that, but I I don't know. I can't think of any other thing that it could be.
0: Yeah, and who wouldn't um, become more confident with a nice orange-feathered hat <laughs> and a massive sort of almost feathery uh, green overcoat uh I, did he have yellow pants on i mean this is really getting into book rogers Um <laughs> all i want now is some roller skating to go
1: on uh disco roller skating excellent uh with uh Bee bee be. Different different franchise completely, John. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> what a great outfit though. You're getting that for Christmas, John. Uh thank you. Or maybe for your birthday so you have it in time for uh Halloween. Perfect. <laughs> I'll be
0: able to strut up and down the street uh looking phantasmagorical.
1: Absolutely. Playing uh playing a bit of um the bee gees maybe you're walking exactly up the yeah <laughs> but i love the reference to that in in the episode that the reason why they're dressed this way is because they want to make sure they stand out from everybody else the interfacers always want to make sure they stand out from everybody else so they don't get killed effectively so they're really ostentatious they really stand out because of that so very cool thanks so much once again steve for your feedback and thanks to everybody for your feedback uh, for this episode we want to hear as much as possible as we continue throughout the rest of the episodes you will never guess we were so busy talking about the episode and going through a feedback that we 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 completely forgot to do the pub quiz question. So we've we've come back and we're able to do it uh, now. Um, We've gotten loads of great answers in uh, for the pub quiz so far, the first four episodes. Make sure you're taking your notes if you're not sending them in so far. Make sure you're taking notes of the um, questions so far because all the ones we've received so far are all right at the moment oh spoilers i know i know but just want to make sure that they know the people who've sent in their uh, answers to me so far all of them are correct so far so uh spoiler alert <laughs> let's get into our pub quiz for this week over to 10 forward john what's the pub quiz question for this week yes welcome fellow trekkers uh yes i've got
0: my romulan ale here and it's fine glass uh this question is all about the numbers mm. um Given that we've got seven of nine in mm-hmm. there, I thought we would do a, a number question. There are a maximum of three points available on this question. Interesting. What are the number of domes on planet Vergesen? How many are in the conclave? And what is the perfect number of umbrellas in Rios' Temtibi Lagoon cocktail? Ooh. And because it's all about the numbers, I just thought I would throw in an extra point if you can say how many
1: feathers are in his cap. Interesting. So four points available for this week's pub quiz, John. Very good. I think you should read out those questions one more time. I certainly will.
0: So, question for episode 5 of Star Trek Picard. What are the number of domes on planet Vegesson? Mm-hmm. How many are in the conclave? Okay. And what is the perfect number of umbrellas in Rios' Temtibi Lagoon cocktail? And for an extra point,
1: how many feathers are in his cap? Although technically it's not a cap. That's true. That's true. It is a hat, isn't it? Yes. Very good. All you need to do is just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your answers to the podcast questions and the person who answers the most questions correctly, according to John, at the end of the season, they will get some Picard goodies. Yes, absolutely. And, of course,
0: we will be doing this on our final episode of our coverage of Star Trek Picard. Mm -hmm. So keep on listening, keep on watching, and engage. In the pub quiz. <laughs> so back to how we
1: originally finished the show. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Here we are. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. And if you enjoy what you hear, why not share it with your friends? sharing the podcast is sharing the love. Yes, absolutely.
0: You can support us in any way, shape or form that you can. That is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and you can also support us as well on patreon over at patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries mm-hmm. uh, where we are currently uh, releasing penny dreadful mm-hmm. um it's if fun, you are a harry treadaway fan yeah. mm-hmm.
1: or a fan of great acting and well awesome exactly. horror tv shows because we're really really enjoying it so far
0: yeah it's really good but we will be back fellow trekkers, next week for star trek picard episode six
1: the impossible box mm-hmm Bye-bye, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Keep watching the stars, and let's keep hoping that they don't name another character something like Bajazzle, because it's very difficult to say. I had to wait to get the subtitles for the episode to see how the name was spelt, because I was hearing something completely different, and my notes were going all over the place going, why did they name her that? (laughs) Yes,
0: there will be no outtakes for this episode, because we have gotten it wrong a massive amount of
1: times uh, to say Bajazzle. yeah i'm so glad we don't do this live <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> thanks so much for all the trekkies and trekkers we'll talk to you next time yeah as
0: always fellow trekkers and trekkies uh it's a pleasure speaking with you we will be back again very soon remember keep watching keep listening and engage bye bye